are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. I am Jordan. Welcome to episode 100. That's a lot of episodes. That's 100 Mm of them. Third weeks. It's a good number. Oh, that is 100 weeks. Which is like two years. You've been doing this for a long time, you guys. So this week, since it's 100... We thought we'd be special and do John Bonet Ramsey. Right. This case keeps me up at night. This keeps me up at night too. And I learned a lot from I'm doing ready. this. I don't despite, know. Like, despite the fact that I thought I knew what I thought, I didn't know what I oh, thought. Yeah. All I had to know is Dr. Phil, her <laughs> yeah, brother. Her brother was, uh, really. Me. Not good. Yeah. Problematic. Make it better for himself in that interview. Yeah. It was rough. He's a freaking creep. I don't think I watched it, but was he like smiling really like strangely through the whole thing? The whole time he was like weird and like very nonchalant and like, I don't know, just weird. I don't like it. Well, I I think he's very like socially awkward and like reclusive. I mean, and I get it because, you know what happened but right if you're gonna go on national tv don't take classes like you think or don't do it because you just make yourself look super bad probably that probably just don't yeah <laughs> but all right before we get into that rachel's got some business to talk about yeah ali's gonna make me do all the business because she can't see it yeah. and there's not a lot we've got the usual like share and subscribe please also leave us comments and voice messages and ratings and all of those things um we will have new t-shirts up on the website by the time this drops right jord yes that is a fact (laughs) gonna be amazing it's gonna be amazing um and then to celebrate our 100 episodes we're gonna be doing free stickers and they're pretty sweet jord made those too uh-huh. Those and, are done already. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> doesn't have to make any promises for that one. Um, so we'll post a picture. And when we do, you can message us with your address and we'll mail one out to you. Yeah. Um so I've got it. the I've got the first batch in, depending on how many of you guys request one. I might have to order a second batch. So I'll keep you posted on if shipping time is going to take a little bit longer because I'll have to get them in and then mail them out. Um, But yeah, so I'll be posting the image for that probably like Tuesday, maybe Monday, Tuesday. Just look for it. Yeah. And then our website address is www.mysteryhistorypodcast.com. W. W. Located on the World Wide Web. Backslash. (laughs) We rule. We rule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a oh. firefighter. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm not looking forward to this. It's it's not good, but you already know that. I so. know. Oh, okay. Who's going to start? Oh, can we go in the order of me, Jordan, you? Because that makes me feel better. Does it than throw the, you off when it goes The backwards different? way you made us do it in the Patreon episode. <laughs> I did not appreciate. Oh, wait, which way are we going? Just so I can. Like me, Jord, you. Oh, okay, so I'm last. Cool. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> that's the order. That's the order my photos are on my screen oh, right now. So that's how oh, it's going to need to be. Not me. I'm all right. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. All right. So Patsy Ramsey was born in Parkersburg, West Virginia, the daughter of Nidra Ellen Ann and Donald Ray Powell, an engineer and manager at Union Carbide. She graduated from Parkersburg High School in 1975. She attended West Virginia University, where she belonged to the Alpha Xi Delta sorority, and from which she graduated with a BA in journalism. In 1978, she won the Miss West Virginia Beauty title in 1977. Her sister, Pamela Ellen Powell, won the Miss West Virginia title at age 24 in 1980. So she comes from a family of beauty queens. Yeah, no kidding. That's wild. Looks very Very prestigious right there with her crown. Yeah. Yeah, she looks like a princess. Uh Kind of looks like a prom picture, though, for being honest. Like she won homecoming or something. Yeah. Yeah, it does a little bit, I guess. <laughs> That's what I picture. Yeah. She's so, a queen. <laughs> John Ramsey was born in Lincoln, Nebraska, the son of Mary Jane and James Dudley J. Ramsey, a decorated World War II pilot. He attended Okemos High School in Michigan. In 1966, he graduated from Michigan State University with a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. Ramsey earned a master's degree in business administration from MSU in 1971. Uh, he joined the Navy in 1966 and served as a civil engineer corps officer in the Philippines for three years and an Atlanta reserve unit for an additional eight years. Patsy was 23 when she married businessman John Ramsey on November 5th, 1980. He had three kids from his first marriage to Lucinda Pash from 66 to 78 which had ended in divorce. Patsy and John's son, Burke Ramsey, was born on January 27, 1987. In 1989, Ramsey formed the Advanced Product Group, one of three companies that merged to become Access Graphics. He became president and chief executive officer of Access Graphics, a computer services company and a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. Wow, that's pretty. Lockheed Martin's pretty prestigious. Prestige. Patsy gave birth to their second child, daughter John Bonet, on August 6, 1990, in Atlanta. The family moved to Boulder, Colorado, in 1991 for her husband's business. Patsy Ramsey entered John Bonet in various child beauty pageants in Boulder, where she won the titles of America's Royal Miss, Little Miss <laughs> Chevrolet. Charlevoix. <laughs> Charlevoix. What in the actual <laughs> F, Allison? This sounds like a car. The Chevrolet <laughs> Little Miss. <laughs> I've never heard of that word. Little Miss. Col- Why has it got an X in there? Chevrolet. Little Miss Colorado. Colorado State All Star Kids Cover Girl and National Tiny Miss Beauty. John Bonet's active role in child beauty pageants and Patsy's reported pageant mother behavior were reported by the media after the murder. And I got to say, sometimes things can get a little crazy. Have you ever watched Dance Moms? No. Wow. It's eye-opening. Don't they like do that stuff for TV? It's not like real. I would assume that it's like, what's that movie we always used to watch? 
Drop yeah, dead gorgeous. <laughs> drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice sad. <laughs> yes. Drop yes. dead gorgeous. I love that movie. I haven't but watched that in so long. Everybody gets murdered. We should watch it. I'm pretty sure I have it on DVD. <laughs> yes, we should. But I feel like it's like not to that extent, but I feel like it's very cutthroat. Like, yeah, I imagine. Nuts. And especially like the moms probably because the kids are like, like when you're six, mm, I don't know. Yeah, they just but, want to be friends. Yeah, the moms are probably pretty cray cray. Yeah, especially if they have their own crown that they want their child to, you know, vicariously Carry live through on. them. Yeah. Yeah. Hard well, to say. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been in those lives. So hard well, to say. In 1996, Access Graphics grossed over $1 billion and Ramsey was named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Boulder Chamber of Commerce. His net worth was reported $6.4 million, and that's in 1996 money. Mm-hmm. prior to his daughter's murder wow yeah yeah so just painting a picture here they rich yeah, <laughs> very much no so oh it's my turn isn't it <laughs> okay you set so, this order i know and I've, <laughs> and I've messed it up all right so just going through the timeline of the murder and um what all was going on so december 23rd 1996 a 911 call is made from the Ramsey home. So three days before the murder, a 911 call is made from the home. But on January 10th, it's reported that it was likely a mistake made by a drunk party guest, according to CNN. There was a callback made, which went to voicemail, and the police did dispatch an officer to the home, and a guest confirmed that the call must have been an accident. The reason this is like somewhat important is because they were having a big party, on December 23rd with lots of people over at their house, like lots of people. Um, Patsy was like super into Christmas and they had like a Christmas tree in every room and had this huge party on the 23rd. Now the fact that there was a 911 call made, I mean, could have been an accident. It happens. Yeah. yeah. So does it, I mean, I it's happened it to me before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and have? they d- and they dispatched a police officer. Did that happen to you too? No. But well, you know yeah. What? Mine was at work because <laughs> you have to dial nine and then one to get out. And then if you hit that other one, even if you hang up super fast, they're coming. They got it. They got yep. it. Dang. I'm pretty sure mine happened at my house, but I think it was when we were on like dial up internet. And oh. I think the internet called 911 because the cop showed up and I was like, no, <laughs> like everything's fine. But and they were probably happens. trying to call back and they couldn't because you were on the damn internet. Yeah, I'm like on AIM <laughs> talking to all my boyfriends in different countries. <laughs> Being a troublemaker. But yes. Okay, maybe so. it's more common than I thought. <laughs> it happens. That doesn't happen to me, but it happens to you guys. So, it yeah. does. And they had a bunch of drunk people at the house. So, you yeah, know. That makes it a little more happen. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? December 25th, 1996. John Bonet gets a bike for Christmas. Around four to four thirty, they went on a Chris or they went to a Christmas dinner hosted by family friend uh, Fleet White. What a name! First of all, um, until about nine thirty at night, the Ramses go home and Burke goes to bed, and John carries John Bidet up to bed. December twenty sixth uh, at five a.m., Patsy wakes up and does her makeup and puts on her clothes for the evening or puts away her clothes from the evening before. No, she puts them on. 
Wait, what? Okay. I thought yeah. I read that wrong. Thank you. Just to start out, <laughs> she puts them on, which I feel like is V weird. So wait, she right? had like dress clothes on and then put them on in the morning. Mm. They were like stretchy velvet pants and a red sweater. But mm. I'm going to I'm going to steal part of this. The family was supposed to take a flight shortly to Michigan to their other house uh, for like vacay. But she wakes up in the morning, does her makeup and puts on her clothes from the night before. I feel like I mean, that's so weird. I can't say I've never done that. I've done that. Mm-hmm. Same. If it's just like a hoodie and like a yes yeah, shorts or something, I've done that. Leggings and a tankini. Not like not for the day. Happened. Like just yeah. like jams. Yeah. Okay. So, but to, okay. I don't know why I thought that was super weird. If I, I wore something to somebody's house too, so it's not like well, a hoodie. Weird. It's yeah, not like it's a not hoodie like in your sweatpants. Yeah. yeah, that's weird. Like putting on it, your work clothes again to go to work the next yeah. day. Yeah, like it that's said weird. they it said they were stretchy pants or whatever and a sweater but i just feel like okay i have like a billion dollars right and we're getting ready to we're getting ready to travel i'm not gonna wear the clothes that i wore yesterday like i'm gonna wear something else it just seemed really that seemed really weird to me it's weird maybe just detailed that yeah if she said any clothes it would be not weird but the fact that she remembered and detailed like i woke up and put on those clothes again that's kind of yeah that seems know. like that's a cover up in itself. It just seems weird that you would do that. <laughs> I don't that know. For to admit it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So at 5:30 a.m., Patsy goes down to the back set of stairs to make coffee. She discovers a two and a half page handwritten ransom note on the back of the stairs leading to the kitchen that says her daughter has been kidnapped. Ooh, you want me to read this note? Go for it. I don't want to. Okay. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We XX respect your businesses, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed. And if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw 118 thousand dollars nailed it from your bank account a <laughs> hundred thousand will be in hundred dollar bills and the remaining eighteen thousand in twenty dollar bills make sure that you bring an adequate sized attache a bag to the bank oui, oui. when you when you get home you will put the money in a brown paper bag I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier delivery pickup of your daughter. That is fucking weird. This whole thing's weird. <laughs> a any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter you will also be denied her remains for proper burial the two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you so i advise you not to provoke them speaking to anyone about your situation such as the police fbi etc will result in your daughter being beheaded uh wow if we catch you talking to a stray dog she dies 
a little dramatic. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. We stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions, and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You're not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good Southern common sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Victory, SBTC. Weirdest effing thing ever. That sounds like a movie. Like, I've heard this before. Yeah, you have, and we'll talk about it later. Okay, good. Because there's multiple movies that things are pulled from. And the fact that this is handwritten. Yeah. Like, they wrote this. This was written at the house. Yeah. That's a lot of writing. Like, after they took her, they're like, hold on, let me write a letter. Let me pen this 45 page thing that i have to say like it doesn't make the whole second paragraph too it's like do it at this time but if you do it earlier then okay we'll do it earlier maybe but yeah if we feel like it but maybe not though that's so weird (laughs) it's like in so it's weird yes it is it's very weird so oddly one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars was the exact amount of john's christmas bonus good bonus little suspicious. that is a really that's a very nice bonus but that's strange to be in a ransom letter why would anybody know that right Mm. um so patsy yells for john to check for the children and he finds burke asleep in bed and jean benet gone the note also said to not call the police so patsy calls 911 i mean i don't know what you do in that situation I don't know. What would you do in that situation? I mean, if it was my Christmas bonus, whatever, take the $118,000, I'll be fine. Like, obviously. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I have a billion dollars, like, whatever. That's like chump change. Yeah, take the money and give me back my daughter. I won't talk to any stray dogs. Like, yeah. I kind of feel like I probably wouldn't call the police either. I don't know. Because you don't don't know. know what's going on yeah and maybe the idea of if you go to pick up the money early we could do an earlier exchange is like trying to get them to believe that they're watching them and if they Mm -hmm. see them go that they'll know and whatever but i don't know i don't know that's tough so patsy calls 911 here is the 911 call Please, 
Okay, what's your name? Are you Kathy not... Ramsey, I'm the mother. Oh, my God. Please. I'm Okay, I'm sending an officer over, okay? Please. Do you know how long she's been gone? No, I don't. Please, we just got out and she's right here. Oh, my God, please. Okay. Please, well, somebody. I am, honey. Please. Take a deep breath. Please, please. Okay. hurry, hurry, hurry. Patsy, 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 Patsy. After 911, Patsy called her friends and asked them to come over for support. So would you do that? Because they literally said, don't do this. So she just like calls like literally everybody that they know. I think that's bizarre. And they end up with like multiple families over at their house, like neighbors, friends, close friends. Like there's there's people. There are folk over at one point i'm pretty sure i read that they had like 18 people in the house well yeah because that covers up evidence yeah maybe i mean we'll see y'all we'll see (laughs) i'm just saying (laughs) so before 6 (laughs) a.m what what are you doing i'm making conclusions because i think it was the brother and i think it was the mom how old was the brother at this time did we mention that Huh? Uh, he's nine. Nine. Mm-hmm. Huh. I think it was an accident. I'll fight with you about this later, Bish. So okay, let me hear the whole thing. Anyways, uh, before 6 a.m., police officer Rick French arrives at the home and does a search. So he searches the home. He pauses by the door that Jean Bonnet was later found behind, but he doesn't open it, according to Newsweek. Now, I read something that said that he did try the door and that it was locked. And then just and then just continued on. Now, (laughs) something that it doesn't say in here is this house has 15 rooms in it. It's a 7,000 square foot house, 15 rooms. It's massive. And I would like to say just to keep in your head as you move forward, because I I listen to a lot of stuff about this, and I was imagining like a huge house, but like a very clean house, like not a lot of stuff. And just like very open and like minimalistic. Nay, they had a bunch of shit all over the place. Like you look at pictures of this house and there's like all their Christmas shit is out, but it's like, you know, your grandma decorating for Christmas. There's a ton of stuff. And then like the basement where stuff goes down, I was picturing like an empty, clean basement that was like, you know had drywall and everything and it does have drywall but there is a bunch of stuff erware like there's it's not clean it's not put away it's not minimalistic they have a lot of stuff so So just easy to miss something yeah so i'm thinking like while he's going around he, he i mean well first of all he's a police officer uh checking the house he should have gone in there period the end but he well, didn't. And, and if it's a big fucking house, you get two officers. I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, but right. There should that's... be more than just the one doing a search through the house. But he did go to the door. He did pause by it. it, said he opened, tried to open it, it was locked and he left. So that happened at 6 a.m. So mm-hmm. 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. The phone call never comes. All the officers leave to strategize. And they leave only one detective on site, Linda Arndt. Um, early afternoon, Linda Arndt recognizes that John is anxious. <laughs> <laughs> so she pulls uh, aside John and White, who had come over to console his friends. 
Arn tells them to do a top to bottom search of the home. Um, it was during that search that John opened the door to the basement spare room slash wine cellar and saw John Bonet's body. It looked like she had been strangled and her mouth was covered with duct tape and cords wrapped around her wrists. He picked up the body and ran screaming upstairs. Arndt later removed uh, the body closer to the Christmas tree upstairs. Um, by bringing her upstairs and leaving the basement door open, much of the evidence became tainted. Police investigators returned to the house and began collecting evidence. Police hear John making travel arrangements hours after discovering his daughter. Weird. At 10.45 p.m., the Boulder County uh, Coroner's team removed the young girl's body from the house. That's a little weird. All of oh, it. Well, a I'm little. Bad. That's a lot weird. I would totally, I totally get like seeing... I mean, I don't know, but I could see the reaction of seeing your child and picking her up and holding her and running. Like I can, I totally get that part, but yeah. it's weird that he's the one that opened the door. And that and was like where he went to, like they said, go right search there. the house top to bottom. And he started at the bottom. He went mm. to the basement and found her there like yeah, pretty quick, but yeah. So that was like a little suspicious. Yeah. And then he, so not only did he touch her body and then Fleet White moved her body. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Aren't, aren't moved her body closer to the Christmas tree. Then Patsy, when the police came, she was like holding Jean Bonnet and like freaking out too. So yeah. like multiple people had touched her at this point. What the point was of moving her closer to the Christmas tree. I don't know. Maybe he like laid her Maybe somewhere was that was way. like in. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know wow. if that was like more out of the way or whatever, but yeah. So wow. this whole crime scene is like tainted AF. There's like a billion people at the house. They didn't. The only room that they like quartered off was her room. Yeah. And the like, rest of the house was like free reign for everybody. So mm-hmm. they didn't cordon off any other areas upon her disappearance. Yeah. As reported by the Denver Post, the family initially thought John Bonet was only kidnapped before her father, John, found her lifeless body in the basement around 1.30 p.m. The police immediately considered the case a homicide and the FBI joined the investigation. According to the Post, the police collected DNA samples from several members of the family, including John. The family flew back to their former town in Marietta, Georgia, and they buried John Bonet next to her half sister Elizabeth, who had died four years earlier during a car accident in 1992. The Crime Museum in Washington, D.C. notes that the Boulder PD made several mistakes within hours of taking the case. They failed to quarantine the entire house, which allowed for evidence to be contaminated and even told John and a family friend to search the house for the body. When John found the body and brought it upstairs, he likely destroyed more evidence unknowingly. Mm -hmm. That's weird. Yeah, it is. Right. And that's weird that like the other half sister died too, like in a car accident. Well, if you're, you could you could figure that out huh you know what i mean like no i don't what <laughs> you could cause this also accident. it's weird Allison. how they Everybody immediately say say <laughs> go look for a body whenever they got that note everybody's like go look for a body 
Well, and they didn't say, so this, the way that's worded is weird. She didn't say, go look for a body. She said, go search the house, Just talk to bottom for yeah. anything. Yeah. Like, she didn't yeah. say, okay. look for the body. I know that was worded weird, but yeah. they, they did find her body. Um, that picture that's included there is the basement and the room over to the left in the far back is where she was found. I mm. think okay. actually, I know, I know that was where she was found. Um, yeah. I don't know. Very sad. On January 1st, 1997, the New York Times reported the former Little Miss Colorado and America's Tiny Little Miss 1996 died of an asphyxiation by strangulation. They noted the town of Boulder was shocked by the murder and young children in the Ramsey's neighborhood felt unsafe in their own homes. That same day, the Ramsey's gave their first nationally televised interview with CNN where they claimed there's a killer on the loose. And Patsy Ramsey suggested the possibility of a reward for information on the killer. According to CNN, the family refused to submit to polygraph tests in January while reports emerged about the possibility of a practice ransom note being written. Late that month, the New York Times reported that the police had interviewed over 90 people, received over 500 letters, and fielded 1,100 phone calls relating to the case. The Times also reported that the authors of the ransom note appeared to have intimate knowledge about Mr. Ramsey because the amount of the ransom matched the amount John had received as his bonus and included a possible reference to his time in the Navy at the Sub Bay Training Center in the Philippines. They couldn't be that stupid, could they? Like, to put the exact number. Amount. Like I think that's so weird. Like, that's the problem with this case is that literally nothing like fully lines up like it's so weird yeah how all of Mm -hmm. it goes and right from jump like they were suspecting the parents so in the court of public opinion and the way news articles were written and things were coming out. So in January, 1997, that's when this went national, like everybody knew about it. So like right away it was out, everybody was talking about it and the way things were written. And, you know, there's a possibility of a practice ransom note. The ransom note was very questionable because it was done on Patsy's like notepad with a pin in the house And it was done on that notepad. It wasn't like a piece of her paper was taken. It was done on that notepad because the notepad had indentations of the person writing on it. So they know that it was done on that notepad, not necessarily in that house, but you got to think like. How much time does that note take? Like, come on. Yeah, that'd be a while. It's weird. And when I, the reason why I think like the Christmas party is kind of important is because somebody could have taken the notepad then. And oh, taken and then, the whole thing and then brought it back. Yeah. So they there are ways around the idea that it was done in the house while everybody was still asleep after the murder. But I don't know. It's all very like, I don't know. Nothing lines up. Nothing makes sense. Yeah. Man. So according to Nine News on February 13th, 1997, Boulder Police Chief Tom Kobe and District Attorney uh, Alex Hunter held a news conference updating the public on the case, and they announced that the creation of a task force that included leading members from O.J. Simpson's defense team from his murder trial two years prior. Um, A month later, the police cleared John Ramsey of writing a ransom note, but were still inconclusive of his wife. CNN reported that the police searched the family's summer home in Charlevoix, Michigan, 
for the second time looking for potential unrehearsed writing samples from Patsy Ramsey. On Friday, April 18th, Hunter named both John and Patsy as the focus of the investigation via the Denver Post. The New York Times reported um, in May that the investigation had cost the police and DA upwards of $300,000. And the Ramseys had hired multiple lawyers, private investigators, a PR spokesperson, and a handwriting analyst. On April 30th, Boulder police conducted their long-awaited formal interviews with the Ramseys for over eight hours. The next day, the Ramseys broke their four-month silence and took part in another nationally televised interview with CNN. In a subsequent interview with local media outlets, including Nine News, John Ramsey said, in quotes, let me address very directly, I did not kill my daughter, John Bonet. John Bonet had a, and I had a very close relationship. Uh, I will miss her dearly for the rest of my life. I'm telling you what, if he's the one that killed her, he took acting classes. He didn't. He did, though. <laughs> On uh, Dr. Phil. He was uh, very you- believable. His dad, the dad? Yeah, the dad. Because that made me believe that the mom did it. I don't think, I don't think either of them had anything to do with it. But the brother? I don't think he did either. Oh, so it's just a mystery, man. (laughs) Yeah. I can't. (laughs) Three months into the investigation, D.A. Hunt brings Smith on to help investigate he quickly began reviewing the evidence and finding potential leads that the police and public had overlooked or dismissed seemed as though the parents were probably involved smith said in video diaries that he began recording while investigating the case he said i thought this was going to be a fairly easy case i thought it would be a slam slam dunk and i even remember talking to my daughter I kind of joked with her saying that if somebody didn't get in that house, it must have been Santa Claus coming down the chimney. Mm. But as Smith began to investigate the case, he started to believe that police should actually be looking at a possible intruder. He pointed out the open window in the basement. The photograph showed cobwebs on the window that would have likely broken had somebody snuck through. And I did hear about that and how, I mean, there was a lot of different access points. People that were they in the didn't house. investigate because they thought the parents did it. They they did not do their jobs. Yeah, they did not do their jobs. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that Ple- is. so police didn't believe it was possible to fit through the window, and then Smith showed them it was by going through it himself. <laughs> mm. The big question is: Could you have gotten through this window, this small window, without disturbing this cobweb? Garrett said. I think the answer to that is maybe. But the other important point is: How soon was this picture taken after Jean Bonnet was killed? Because spiders can replicate webs very fast. So this is in reference to the fact that they did take crime scene photographs. They did take pictures of this window bay, and there was a cobweb there. Um, and they were saying, you know, you couldn't get in through that window without disturbing it. But when was that taken? It was taken literally 24 hours later, you know, and spiders do rebuild their stuff pretty quick. So it's basically that's not a point anymore. Um, police had also found a shoe print from a high tech brand boot near Jean Bonnet's body. No one in the family owned shoes from this brand. 
And there were also two marks on her face and back, which he deduced had been made by a stun gun. There's no reason at all for the Ramses to use a stun gun, and the Ramses didn't have a stun gun, Smith recorded himself saying at the time. If it's not a stun gun, what is it? That's the question I always ask. And this picture that's here that I have is, and we can post this, is a picture of the window that was in question. Um, and we'll talk about this, I think, a little bit later. But there's a mark under that window on yeah, the wall. Yeah, I see it. And Looks like a shoe print. It does, mm-hmm. like a shoe pr- print skidded down. And there's a suitcase there. Yep. And when I first listened to this, the, they asked the Ramses about that suitcase because that suitcase had a duvet cover, a pillowcase, and a Dr. Seuss book inside. And they said that that stuff normally wasn't in the suitcase. And they that suitcase was not normally there. And they didn't know where it came from. And they said the same thing about multiple other things, like the Maglite flashlight and some other stuff. And they kept saying they didn't like, this isn't normally there. We don't know why that's there. And I, at first was like, WTF, how do you not know where stuff is in your house? But then look at these pictures. Yeah. It's a mess. Of course they don't know where stuff is in their house. Like when I was listening to it, I wasn't seeing any, like I was listening to a podcast. I wasn't seeing pictures. And again, I was like, oh, their house is probably minimalistic and clean they they got stuff everywhere <laughs> of course they don't know where this came from they probably yeah. don't know where any of that stuff came from they look so, like they're hoarders a little bit a little bit <laughs> there's like a spirits. lot of stuff it's like just trash on the floor yeah <laughs> yeah there's stuff all over the place so them saying like yeah well, we don't know when now, that got put there wait a minute here what <laughs> this could have been from the police uh you know going through stuff and while they might have a lot of things it could have been the police like just going on nuts with their stuff causing you, you it take, to look dis like a disarray i don't you take crime so. scene photos before you go through things as soon okay, as you, you get there me. you take a picture yeah <laughs> yeah then go through shit and then you're like stuff. oh yeah here's here's what it looks like after yeah this okay, is the before fine. The before picture. Try though. I like where your head's at. Thanks. I was trying to help. (laughs) (laughs) So in his video diaries, Smith pointed out that whoever wrote the ransom note included language that was drawn from several movies. Mm. Uh, Specifically, he noted the similarities between the kidnap drama Ransom, which had been playing in Boulder at the time. In that particular particular movie, a fat cat industrialist, his son, uh, was kidnapped. Um, there's a lot of the same verbiage in this note that was, uh, even in the note that was written in that particular movie, Smith said in the recordings, the note said, you are not the only fat cat around and also included other lines that were similar to the dialogue from the films, dirty, Harry and speed. Hey, I was going to say speed like before you know? the guy. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the, the detonator guy, like, mm-hmm, what do you, mm-hmm. there's a bomb on a bus. What do you do, Jack? What are you going to do? What yeah, you say do? John over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard yes. it. Mm. That's right. On August 13th, 1997, Boulder Police released the full autopsy of John Bonet Ramsey, and it was full of grisly details. Ugh. The Denver Post published the autopsy, which cited asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma which is a severe brain injury. Don't shake your head at me. Cerebral. Yeah, what cerebral. That's brain. God bless God bless your soul. <laughs> he said cerebral. Cerebral. 
<laughs> you tried, kind of. The report noted that the girls' hands and necks had been bound by separate white cords, and there were numerous abrasions and pedicle. Why the hell did I get this paragraph? Pedicle hemorrhages, which was spots that indicated bleeding under the skin on her neck. The report also stated that she had a skull fracture nearly nine inches long. Holy crap. Um, that's, yeah. That's wow. crazy. She had been sexually assaulted, like with the handle of a paintbrush that was used to create the garret. A garret is a stick used in. What? It's a garret. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to read this part? No, I'm almost done. That's the worst thing to laugh at, but man, that was not We are not laughing at any of this. Like, they're just laughing at me because I'm dumb. Okay. So, just for the record, yes. Thank you. Nothing to do with her. This is horrible. Mm -hmm. I can just see on your face while you're reading, you're like, unsure going into it. What'd you say it was? (laughs) A garrote. A garrote is a stick used in conjunction with a cord to tighten a noose around the neck of a victim. Okay. So it's like you twist it and it gets tighter. The coroner also found what was believed to be pineapple in JonBenet's stomach. Her parents do not remember giving her any the night before she died, but there was a bowl of pineapple in the kitchen, which had her nine-year-old brother Burke's fingerprints on it. However, this meant little since time cannot be attributed to fingerprints. The Ramseys maintained Burke was in his room all night asleep, and there was never any physical evidence to reflect otherwise. Hmm. Do you want to fight now or later? <laughs> These all of this stuff means nothing to me because obviously they didn't know what they were doing. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe so just Berkey to be was not in his room. Well, just to be clear, this garage is what she was strangled with. So it was a white cord that had a pretty elaborate knot around the back of it with a broken off uh, paintbrush handle. And that was what was used to strangle her. And the paintbrush top was found nearby. This was a paintbrush that was taken from something close by to where she was found. And she was also sexually assaulted with this paint brush handle they found splinters in her vaginal canal from the from the paintbrush handle yeah so that all happened and again we can fight about it now or later but i'll tell you that no parent trying to cover up a murder caused by a head injury is going to get a garrote strangle their daughter and sexually assault her with a paintbrush handle. Nobody's going to do doing that. that either. Nobody's going to do that. So, and the fact that she had these um, patechial hemorrhages on her neck show that she was trying to scratch at the the thing that choked her. Yeah. So she was still alive when that happened. I don't know who did it. I know you don't. <laughs> and I don't either. And that's why I hate this case because I just I hate this know. case too. It's so awful. I don't like secrets. And I don't like secrets either. And it's awful. And none of the evidence like lines up and points like a clear picture of what's happening because there's always something like this weird ass ransom note that makes right. no sense. 
and is bizarre, throws a wrench into almost everything else that you would attribute to somebody that was like just intruding on the house, you know, and the pineapple. Well, and the thing with the pineapple is that I guess they said that they couldn't be sure it was pineapple. First of all, they weren't sure that it was pineapple. It was some sort of fruit. And they said she could have eaten it as early as 4 p.m. the previous day. And they went to Christmas dinner at somebody else's house. She could have eaten pineapple over there. So it's just weird. It's yeah, there's too much. Nothing like really lines up. I don't know. Um, all right. So on January 16th, 1998, so this is a while later, the Washington post reported that John and Patsy Ramsey refused to grant another interview with the Boulder police, but they did offer to give written answers to formal questions. The Boulder police had also requested to interview their son, Burke Ramsey, who was 11 at the same time. The Ramseys asked the police to show good faith by allowing for them to view the evidence in the case, but the police refused to do so and did not release any new evidence to them. According to CNN, in February of 1998, the Boulder police lost evidence from the case after acknowledging the previous October that if we had to do the investigation all over again, we would do it differently. Interviews and statements were reportedly among the lost items. The New York Times reported in March, the Boulder police formally requested a grand jury be convened. The same report also cynically stated the family had appeared to have moved on with their lives following the absence of any new leads or evidence. So in the court of public opinion, they are to blame for this murder is basically what's happening in the media. That's messed up. That's weird, though, like in the beginning, like I totally get why you would not want to do like another interview, another interview, because you don't want to keep bringing it up and having to talk about it and, you know, moved on with their lives. I'm sure they didn't. I'm sure they just had to function to keep moving forward. But it is weird, like in the beginning, how they wouldn't do polygraphs. And we've had that with a couple other um kind of episodes where they didn't want to do a polygraph. And I don't know if it's because they're worried that something could cause them to show that they might be, you know, cause they're not super reliable. I don't know if that's the fear there. I think that the family, the Ramseys knew immediately that they were the main suspects. They hired separate lawyers like Patsy and John hired their own separate lawyers immediately And I think they knew that they were being targeted as the ones that did this. And like, I mean, I guess I would think it was weird that they hired separate lawyers and everything, but they're so rich. Like, yeah, they probably have lawyers they each prefer or something. I would assume that they would be have two lawyers working together jointly to get And maybe they were. Yeah, maybe they were. I don't know. But yeah, they I think they stopped working with the police department pretty early on because they realized that this was like a witch hunt. Yeah, I get that, too. So the Associated Press reported in August of 1988 or 1998, I'm sorry, on the resignation of Detective Steve Thomas, an original investigator on the case who called the investigation a continuing travesty and accused the Boulder District Attorney of being thoroughly compromised. The Daily Camera, a local Boulder newspaper, reported a month later on the resignation of another detective, Lou Smith, who accused the Boulder police of letting, in quotes, 
Their theory direct them rather than allowing the evidence to direct them. That same month, the camera reported that investigators had interviewed Burke Ramsey, um, who was 11, in June. Uh, the interviews were conducted by Boulder County's DA's office and the Broomfield Police. The Denver Post had also reported in August an enhanced um, recording of the original 911 call from the Ramsey's house, um, which, in quotes, appeared to include Burke's voice, which would have contradicted contradicted earlier statements that he was asleep at the time. The Post reported on September 16th that the grand jury had formally convened and would be hearing evidence related to fibers found at the crime scene. What? Allison. Good for Bert. Yeah, well, if you listen to this enhanced 911 call, I don't know if my headphones are just shit or what, but you can't hear anything. I don't yeah. hear anything. Well, even if he was awake, I'm sure their parents were freaking out when they came downstairs and said yeah. that yeah. there was a, like a note there. So she was probably freaking out, like being loud. Yeah. So like, what does it matter if he was awake or not? I don't know. Yeah. Not much at that point. And he could have been asleep at the beginning of the call. And then by the end of the call, been awake being like, what's going on? She's yelling. Yeah, yeah. She's yelling during this call. So yeah, for sure. By March of 1999, the Daily Camera reported that the city of Boulder and state of Colorado had spent more than a combined $1.7 million on the investigation in the grand jury up to that point and were requesting another $62,001 to continue fund- funding the grand jury. A month later, the camera revealed that board. Boulder District Attorney Alex Hunter had been granted a six-month extension for the grand jury and that the Boulder police were working with another veteran of the O.J. Simpson defense team, criminologist Henry Lee. That May, the camera reported that Burke Ramsey testified in front of a grand jury, but the DA officially declared that he was not a suspect. Months later in September, the camera reported that former Detective Linda Arndt who had resigned from the Boulder Police Department in March of that year, appeared on Good Morning America to discuss aspects of the case. Arndt claimed she feared for her life during the interview and had no doubt who the killer was, but she refused to identify them on air. What a fucking tease. Um, (laughs) Police refused to comment on her comments, but the Ramsey's lawyers called them bizarre speculations and psychic impressions via the Associated Press. She thought John did it. She thought John did it. I think so, because in other there was like another interview where she said that when he came up and she like locked eyes with him, she like reached for her gun because she felt like he was she didn't say this exactly but i think she felt scared that he was gonna do something so she she thought he did it but there's like nothing to substantiate that you believe that though like you've ever gotten a feeling that's so strong about something that there's no evidence that but you just know that it's true yeah and that's kind of like what i think she was saying she felt then and then that's why she's saying she had no doubt who the killer was yeah i i mean it's pretty easy to draw the lines there that she thought it was him yeah but on october 
So this is interesting. On October 13th, 1999, Boulder District Attorney Alex Hunter announced that the grand jury had finished its investigation and that he would not be filing charges against the Ramseys because of a lack of evidence, per the Washington Post. Bill Owens, Colorado's governor at the time, declared the possibility of a special prosecutor being assigned to take over the case. The Ramseys released a statement following the announcement of no charges being filed, saying they took no satisfaction in this result because a child killer remains free and undetected, per the Denver Post. Unknown at the time, but reported 14 years later by CNN in 2013, unsealed court documents showed in 1999 the grand jury had voted to indict both John and Patsy Ramsey on charges of both child abuse resulting in death and being accessories to a crime. According to the court documents, both parents sought to hinder, delay, and prevent the discovery, detention, apprehension, prosecution, conviction, and punishment of an unidentified person. Hunter refused to file the charges, even though the grand jury voted for them. Suspicious. Hmm. Very suspicious. That is weird. So the Daily Camera reported in February of 2000 on the release of the Ramsey's book, uh, Death of Innocence, almost exactly five months after the Boulder District Attorney announced that they would not face charges in the death of John Benet Ramsey. The book named three potential suspects a former employee at John Ramsey's company, a former University of Colorado professor, and a Boulder journalist. The Ramseys planned a series of national television interviews to promote the book. The camera later reported in June of 2001 on the state of a series of lawsuits filed both for and against various Ramsey family members. The Ramseys had sued AOL Time Warner for $70 million on behalf of Burke Ramsey, former detective Steve Thomas for $80 million for libel, and had at least three other libel suits pending. Meanwhile, two people had filed their own libel lawsuits against John and Patsy over accusations in their 2000 book. Uh, the Ramsey's personal lawyer in these suits was L. Lynn Wood, who would find himself sanctioned 20 years later in the U.S. court for attempting to overturn the 2020 presidential election on behalf of Donald Trump. Um, in December of 2001, the animated television show South Park ridiculed John and Patsy over the death of John Bonet and hinted that they were responsible for the death. Ten years later, the creators, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, express, expressed remorse for this uh, episode in an interview with the New York Times saying we were wrong. Wow. Yeah. So lots of stuff going on there. Lawsuits yeah. galore and all sorts of things. Well, it's a little weird to like try to make money off of that immediately after. I agree. It's weird to write a book like yeah. five years later. Was it even five years not even five years later. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Barely four. Yeah. Seems a little fresh. Strange. And it's almost like they had it written and then they were just waiting to be called not guilty. And then not guilty on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Weird. On July 9th, 2008, the border. What do I want to keep saying? Border. The boulder. Boulder County District Attorney's Office announced that as a result of the newly developed DNA sampling and testing techniques known as touch DNA analysis, the Ramsey's family members were no longer considered suspects in the case. 
In light of new DNA evidence, Boulder County District Attorney Mary Lacey gave a letter to John Ramsey that same day, officially apologizing to the Ramsey family, said this new scientific evidence convinces us to state that we do not consider your immediate family, including you, your wife, Patsy, and your son, Burke, to be under any suspicion in the commission of this crime. The match of male DNA on two separate items of clothing worn by the victims at the time of the murder makes it clear to us that as unknown male handled these items. There is no innocent explanation for its incriminating presence at three sites on two different items of clothing that John Bonet was wearing at the time of her murder. To the extent that we may have contributed in any way to the public perception that you may have been involved in this crime, I'm deeply sorry. No innocent person should have to endure such an extensive trial in the court of public opinion, especially when public officials have not had sufficient evidence to initiate a trial in a court of law. We intend in the future to treat you as the victims of this crime with the sympathy due to you because of the horrific loss you suffered. Says, I am aware that there will be those who will choose to continue to differ with our conclusion, but DNA is very often the most reliable forensic evidence we can hope to find, and we rely on it often to bring to justice those who have committed crimes. I'm very comfortable that our conclusion that this evidence has vindicated your family is based firmly on all of the evidence. Wow. So they had DNA evidence, I think, on jean Bonnet's underwear and on the two sides of her long johns that had been pulled down they uh-huh. found dna that did not match any of the ramsey family wow so unfortunately patsy ramsey had died two years earlier to this being sent out after a long battle with ovarian cancer In an exclusive interview with local media outlet Nine News, John Ramsey expressed his gratitude for the continuing effort investigators were putting into the case. John said he hoped to see nationwide laws updated so all convicted felons would have DNA evidence taken from them and put in the National DNA Database, a practice he compared to fingerprinting. Later in the interview, he described the loss of his daughter as crushing and called her the spark plug in our family. And on one of the things I watched, he was quoted saying, I was very grateful for her courage to do the right thing, saying the D- this DA person for um, putting out this letter yeah, was courageous. Sure. So, I mean, the problem is <laughs> they have DNA evidence now and aren't they have not gotten any hits on it. But when you look at it, there is DNA taken and just sitting places waiting to be processed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In every Mm. state, pretty much, it's just backlogged up and just chilling. And if we could get all of that into a nationwide database, like. Probably a lot of cases would be solved. yeah, Yeah, that would be a huge deal. But but it's just not done. And that is something super sad about the mom passing away, like before that came out, because she was essentially, she died with people thinking that they murdered their kid. Yeah, that she was responsible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people still think that. Like, this came out, and people still think that. I mean, I don't know what to believe. I know. But I feel like that's super sad if she wasn't the family wasn't involved to be prosecuted that way while you're trying to mourn the loss of a child like Mm -hmm. that would be the worst 
Yeah, that would be terrible. So in August of 2009, Boulder police announced that they were uh, taking back the case from the DA's office who had turned it over in 2003. Uh, police chief Mark Beckner stated that the police were reactivating the case uh, with the help of a newly created 20 person advisory task force. Beckner claimed the letter, the previous DA Mace, uh, Mari Lacey had sent the Ramses in 2008, exonerating them from the murder is what initially piqued his interest in retaking the case. Lacey had since retired and supported the Boulder PD reopening the investigation. Since then, the case has remained open, though no new suspects have been named publicly. In December of 2021, the Boulder PD released this uh, a statement on the 25th anniversary of the murder. They stated that they had tested over 1,500 pieces of evidence, analyzed nearly 1,000 DNA samples, and received, reviewed, or investigated over 21,000 tips throughout 19 states. The statement also noted that the Boulder PD's major crimes unit had interviewed more than 1,000 individuals. That's a lot. That is a lot. So now we're going to move on to theories. So these, maybe something will change my mind here. Yeah. There are a lot of theories of what could have happened, but nothing like substantial has been put out. Um, just to go over the family theories first, which were really honestly the most popular theories for a long time. Um, the initial investigation was conducted with a focus on the family being responsible. And two of those main theories are slash were that Patsy was responsible. Uh, Jean Benet had a problem with wetting the bed as many children do when they're six um, she was found with urine soaked panties and long johns on, and it was theorized that Patsy in a fit of rage struck Jean Bonnet on the head with an object after she had another bed with wedding incident. There was no urine found on her bed sheets and the other evidence just doesn't support this theory. So that, I mean, as long as that carried on, it doesn't make any sense. And there's also the very popular theory that Burke had been up that night. Jean Bonnet came down, took some of his pineapple, leading him to strike her on the head with a maglite flashlight that was found on the counter. Then the Ramsey parents covered up the accidental murder. So just to really tighten up that, <laughs> that theory is basically what there was. Um, again, the evidence doesn't support this theory. And in 2016, CBS aired the case of Jean Benet Ramsey, which implied that her then nine year old brother Burke was the killer, despite the fact he was cleared by the DNA evidence that proved the existence of an intruder. After that aired, which obviously, I mean, Jordy, I don't know if you watched it, but obviously, Allie watched it, I watched it. And like coming into this, I was like, <laughs> he did it because we watched that. Right. Um, and I didn't hear anything after it. You know, I didn't pay enough attention or whatever, but Burke filed a $750 million, sorry, $750 million lawsuit against CP CBS for defamation. And the case was settled in 2019. And while the terms of the settlement were not disclosed, his lawyer stated the case was amicably resolved to the satisfaction of all parties. And I also would like to say before he sued them for the money 
he just asked them to retract what they had done and they said no wow and then he sued them for money Uh so at first he was just like uh hey guys can you like take your lies back and like make my life not a living hell and they were like no wow and then he sued them for money and and they settled out but yeah i don't know i mean that that's huge and then again all of the other things that happened to her don't line up with this like that didn't happen (laughs) well that's it's like before his life even got started it was over right yeah he was a baby he he never had a chance yeah no and you think he would change his name oh yeah i definitely to like columbia or something because burke is a very like that's not a common name yeah and especially burke ramsey it's like there's not yeah there's not a lot of those out there Yep. And he like, I mean, his life sounds like it was very difficult. Like he was working from home before everybody was working from home. Like he was a remote employee somewhere, not going into an office, probably because of this case and was very yeah. like secluded. Well, and his mom died, what, a couple years after his sister died. So it's like, mm-hmm. that's just rough. Yeah. So intruder theories. The mine hunter himself, John Douglas, consulted with the Ramsey family and had written that he fully believes the family is innocent. There aren't a lot of people in the true crime world that carry so much weight with just their opinion, but John Douglas is definitely one of them. Here he is explaining the lack of motive for the Ramseys to be involved here on a news report about John Mark Carr, who falsely confessed to the crime. Okay, so these are just bullet points. We're going to go through quick. John and Patsy were interviewed by the police for over two hours. Burke Ramsey was also interviewed within a few weeks of her death. The existence of evidence that John Benet had been sexually assaulted is one of the strongest indicators that this was an intruder crime, as it much more rare for a husband and a wife to work together to cover up abuse only one of them committed. This evidence is inconclusive, and it's not clear whether she was ever sexually abused or not. No semen was found and the official findings is just that sexual assault cannot be ruled out. If somebody was forced to kill their daughter to cover up their son's attack, I don't think strangulation with a garot would be what they would come up with. It's too personal and barbaric. Yeah. I mean, strangling somebody to death is definitely like hardcore. Um, yeah. A blood stain on John Benet's underwear was found to have DNA from two people who are not the Ramseys. Burke has never been a suspect in this crime. He was interviewed by police and by a child psychologist, none of whom walked away believing Burke had anything to do with her murder. Since nine-year-olds aren't skilled liars or criminal masterminds, he believes that the experts involved in investigating this case would have a good handle on whether Burke seemed suspicious. An unidentified boot print was found in the room where John Benet's body was discovered. Police discovered one door to the Ramsey's home was unlocked. There was also two basement windows that were left ajar to allow cords for Christmas lights to be plugged in from the outside. An additional basement window was broken prior to the events of John Benet's murder and would have allowed entry into the Ramsey's home. Um, and that's when we talked about the cobwebs. Mm-hmm. Marks on John Benet's may indicate a stun gun was used on her. There were over 100 burglaries in the Ramsey's neighborhood in the months leading up to the murder. There was also dozens of registered sex offenders in the area. 
which I've never heard that before as many times as I've heard this case. Um, due to John Benet's higher profile as a child beauty pageant participant, some believe she was more at risk from stranger abductions by pedophiles. In the last one, there was no evidence of blood spatter found in the Ramsey's home. This meant that John Benet was likely dead or almost dead when the wound to her head was administered. This contradicts the idea that strangulation was used as part of a cover-up after Burke had lashed out and fatally struck his sister in the head. Strangulation came first. Okay, fine. He didn't do it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted to hear. All right. <laughs> So Douglas's theory. So again, he is the mind hunter guy, which means that he builds profiles on the people that committed crimes. And his theory on here is John Benet Ramsey's killer was a white male, relatively young, who had a personal grudge against John Ramsey and intended to carry it out by defiling and robbing him of the most valuable thing in the world to him. He entered the house while the family was out either through the basement or with one of the many unaccounted for keys to the Ramsey home, carrying with him a stun gun, a roll of duct tape, and a spool of cord. His intention was to incapacitate her, abduct her, and molest her. The ransom demand was an afterthought, and it could explain why it was written on materials found in the home. He had no intention on collecting such a low sum. He was just trying to make a point and possibly cast suspicion on the Ramseys. It's also possible he had already written a shorter and more succinct ransom note, but that given the amount of time he had to himself, wrote a longer one. He went up to Jean Benet's room, incapacitated her with an air taser stun gun, which would not have made much noise, taped her mouth shut, and then took her downstairs. He began strangling her either during or after the molestation, and whether he meant to or not caused her death. When he realized what he had done, he finished the job with a quick blow to the head, and instead of taking her, he fled the house in a panic. So that's just what he thinks happened. It was a very, like, detailed, like, I don't know. That's just a lot of speculation. That is a lot of speculation, for sure. And, And that terrifies me, the whole, like, they come in whenever you're out. And then yeah. they're just like waiting in a Hanging closet out. somewhere for yeah. you. Like, I don't like that. That is terrifying. I don't like yeah. that either. Uh, super scary. So John Mark Carr on August 16, 2006, a bombshell dropped in the development of the John Bonet Ramsey case. ABC News reported that the 41-year-old American school teacher John Mark Carr had been arrested in Bangkok, Thailand on suspicion of the murder. Authorities tracked him for weeks before arresting him. Uh, once in custody, Carr confessed to drugging and killing Ramsey, but claimed it was an accident. Carr was not charged uh, immediately when he was extradited to the U.S., and parts of his confession were scrutinized as contradicting the autopsy report. Finally, two weeks later, on August 28th, the Denver Post reported the DNA testing came back, but revealed that Carr did not match any of the DNA from the crime scene. Um, a lawyer for one of Carr's family members claimed Carr had never set foot in Colorado until almost four years after the murder. Carr originally had come under suspicion through a series of emails he sent to the University of Colorado professor. Using the screen name Daxus Carr, uh, claimed to be responsible for Ramsey's death and referring to himself as a dashing prince who, in quotes, cared for her and tried to revive her when I thought she was dead. Why in the hell would you make this shit up? 
people be crazy. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> some people are just sick and they just like want to involve themselves in high profile things. And then what happens if those people, they actually like go to jail and like prison or like get it's the death They want to be known as that is what like, the problem is. That's insanity. That is crazy. Is. Well, yeah, some people are insane. Crazy pants. All right. Gary Oliva. That's how we're saying it. Okay, let's roll. Gary Oliva, 54, is a convicted pedophile currently serving a 10-year sentence in Colorado for possession of child pornography, but is up for parole in 2020, which already So I don't know where he's at right now. We don't know, which we don't like. He Mm -hmm. said, I never loved anyone like I did John Bonet. And yes, yet I let her slip and her head bashed in half and I watched her die. Olivia, Oliva. Wrote, <laughs> you gotta commit you gotta commit to how we're saying it oliva wrote a letter <laughs> to a former classmate michael vale it was an accident please believe me she was not like the other kids in another letter to vale he wrote john benet completely changed me and removed all the evil from me just one look at her beautiful face her glowing beautiful skin and her v- divine god body i Ugh. realized i was wrong to kill other kids yet by accident she died and it was my fault that makes me barf it makes if, me if, anybody, too. if anybody ever says that just keep him in jail forever yeah Never let them out yeah he does don't. Not need to be out. i need to know disgusting. if he's out like i need to know <laughs> what the situation you google is. and i'll read the next part okay gary oh whatever vale has suspected his old high school buddy killed jean benet for the last 22 years ever since he received a disturbing phone call from oliva shortly after the murder and before the case made national headlines My suspicions began when Gary called me late at night on December 26, 1996. Vale, who lives in Ventura, California, told the Daily Mail. He was sobbing and said, I hurt a little girl. I tried to get more information out of him. The only other thing he told me was that he was in the Boulder, Colorado area. On December 27th, I read on the front page of my local newspaper, Girl 6, Slain in Boulder, Colorado. I immediately called the Boulder Police Department and told them what I knew about Gary and what he had told me just days earlier. They didn't get back to me. Three months later, I called the police again to find out what was going on in in its investigation of Gary, but instead I was sent to a police answering machine set up for tips on the Jean Bonnet case. I left a message on the recorded line, and again, I never heard back from investigators. That's awful. Yeah. This is just like, have you ever, do you watch that Ripper documentary on Netflix about the, the Ripper in like the, in the UK? I don't think I have. But that's basically like the same thing where there's just like so many people calling in that they had like a whole like room of people just answering phones. And there were so many calls that they were just like, they'd miss a lot of stuff. It's so it's like, that's, that's terrifying that they could have had the guy on the phone even. Mm-hmm. And then they just like dismiss it. That's yeah, crazy. they didn't follow up on it. Yeah. So back in 1990, what? I'm just telling you, I'm searching and I can't find shit on this Gary dude. Like all this, the stuff that I'm seeing is from 2019 before. Like he was said to be released. So, okay, continue on. I'm still looking. Back in 1996, 
Oliva was a registered sex offender who listed whose listed address was not far from the Ramsey home, and he reportedly attended a candlelight vigil shortly after John Bonet's murder. But despite receiving several tips from Vale, uh, Boulder police did not consider Olivia a suspect until 2000, when he was arrested on unrelated charges, and police found a photo of John Bonet, a poem he'd written titled "Ode to John Bonet," and a stun gun among his possessions. Several investigators, including Lou Smith, a retired homicide detective hired by the Boulder Boulder District Attorney, had theorized that the stun gun may have been used to subdue John Bonet the night of the murder. Yeah, that's and he freaking looks like a child killer man. Yeah. Okay. That's creepy. That is creepy. Well, Rachel's now looking because I couldn't find anything. Um, that's I don't like that. Boulder. I don't like it either. Where is this guy? (laughs) We need an APB. Gary Olivia. (laughs) Whatever. Boulder police (laughs) investigators lost interest in Olivia when new DNA testing methods failed to match his DNA to the crime scene evidence. But the department has since acknowledged that the crime scene was mishandled, like we all know. In uh, 2002, Smith, who had since passed away, told 48 Hours that he still considered um, him a suspect. So did Vale, who told the Daily Mail that Boulder police had placed too much emphasis on DNA matches when it's well known that the crime scene and evidence in the case was compromised. Haunted by Olivia's tearful phone call, Vale had maintained contact with him for years in hopes of eliciting a confession. I've continued this for decades now, even with him being in prison, Vale said, but he has only just admitted to killing her. He believes he will go to hell if he doesn't admit to it. I have now sent these letters to Boulder police in the hopes it will get Gary to provide them with firm proof and to name who else may have been involved in John Bonet's death. Now they have this, a written confession. The police need to charge him with her murder. I can't figure out where this guy is. I know. I don't like it. (laughs) When we get done, I'm going to get on the Boulder, Colorado, like prison site and see if he's still incarcerated there. But I don't even know if that's where he was incarcerated to begin with. It would be helpful if we knew that information because you can find that. Like what right there, Boulder City Police Department mugshot. Yeah. Okay, good. I'll figure it out whenever we get off phone because I know how to do that. Anybody does, though, (laughs) because it's not difficult. (laughs) You act (laughs) like you're... (laughs) I'm on those sites all the time. Yeah, I, I have say. found this stuff before. And it's That's like your face. And I don't like, want to talk about it. <laughs> He's a detective. He has That's that funny. shit saved. Yeah. I don't want to find this information. <laughs> but anyways, um, so current investigation in quotation marks. In 2010, the case was officially reopened with renewed focus on those DNA samples. Further testing has been conducted on the samples and experts now believe that the sample is actually from two individuals rather than one. In 2016, it was announced that the DNA would be sent to the Colorado Bureau of Investigation to be tested using more modern methods and authorities hope to develop an even stronger DNA profile of the killer. But that's basically where we're left at this point. Can I just say wah, wah, wah? Like, well, it seems like yeah, they're still like, focused on the it. DNA. Even after they said they're too focused on DNA, they're even more focused on the DNA now. It's like all they have at this point. Like, every, yeah, like true. I said, everything is so contradictory and they totally botched up the crime scene. Like, yeah, 
the yeah, DNA, they, not, they... the DNA isn't going to mean anything unless all the DNA from all of the towns and all of the world gets entered in for them to and find then it. You maybe. mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those like it's you hope it gets solved, but at this point, it's like I know, and it's so there's like, no way with as much coverage that this like somebody knows everybody knows about it well yeah that's yeah i don't know that's i don't know what the answer is but it's i don't think it's the family i don't think it's the family either i don't know who it is now that i'm looking at this freaking olivia character it's probably freaking him i know he's a creep to the max well that thing that whole uh like window picture we'll have to post that too because that that is like that's a footprint Yes, and right. it looks like he used the suitcase as like a step and yeah, then his other foot dragged against the wall. Yes. And then nope. it's like, it looks like he packed that before it all went down. Not thinking knowing he was going to kill gonna, her. Yes. Yeah, thinking he was going to take and her then, with some bedding and her book. Yes, her book, yep. yeah. And it's like he packed that, had it there, and then used it to get out of the window because he accidentally killed her. Killed her. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. That's, That's what, what I, I think, think too. Me too. Me too, Allison. Wasn't her brother. Okay, fine. But you gotta admit, he's a little crazy. Would you not be crazy if that happened to you when you were nine? I mean, come on. Your chances of being normal is over. (laughs) Everybody knows you and they all think you're a killer. Yeah, that would be tough. That would be tough. You're right. And your mom passes away a couple years later. So it's like you have your dad to talk to basically like nobody else is going to look at you I mean, objectively you guys are swaying me and yeah. like the dad so i thought the fact that she like patsy called like friends over was really weird but i guess um john was kind of like like i guess they said that they weren't consoling one another like they like if your kid is missing like are you and josh not going to be like consoling well, be one like, another like that no, is going to yeah. be the only person you have and they weren't and I thought that was interesting but I guess maybe John has like a one of those like more you know I don't want to say cold personalities but you know maybe he does no and she was calling well, they, her friends over to console her because yeah. she knew that he was going to be shut off emotionally and she needed somebody to like hold her up yeah well, especially with something like that, it's like, how do you even process that? Process you don't know that. what you yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all like, I don't know. And yeah, that picture, suspicious. Like, yeah, we'll yeah. have to post that for sure. Cause that's yeah. that whole, that picture alone is like, it seems obvious. Yeah. Like smoking gun over there. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody crept up out that window for sure. And the window's and wide left. open. Yeah. And I don't know if it was wide open. Like, I don't know if somebody opened it before they, yeah. well, I don't know if. if yeah if they did it the way they're supposed to where they just walk in and take a picture then yes but yeah somebody could have opened it yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know weird wow i don't know know either i don't like it i need to know where this dude is and i need to know who killed her Mm -hmm. that yeah just the fact that he's that that phrase he said about her beautiful skin and yeah ew. god body god yeah, just body six year old put him in a like, cell stop. and throw away the key yeah yeah he don't need to be out touching anybody yeah you can't that's fix enough. that yeah. it's not okay no. but Oof, that makes well, my skin I hope, crawl. that's disgusting 
It is super gross. And I hope if like nothing else, because again, I came into this and I was like, the brother did it because I watched that stupid CBS documentary and I was like, oh yeah, for show because the way they presented everything. So if nothing else, I hope this made people like question this again, open up their minds because I don't think he did it anymore. That's why I hate those things that are like, so they're trying to make you think something. It's and so, you don't know it when you're watching no. it that they're leaving out like yeah, exactly. this, <laughs> this kind of stuff. You don't know. So you have to. That's what, anybody could make any documentary and make you think something by the end of it, which is scary. It is. Yeah. So you yeah, don't even need of, a whole documentary. You can do like a little news segment on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's messed up. And like the reason why, because I don't even remember, Allie, what we were talking about doing for the 100th episode. Oh, no, I do Columbine. I wanted to do this because I don't know like what was going on with you at the time of this happening, but like we were the same age as her older brother, Burke, when this happened. So we were yeah. like nine, 10. And I remember like being in the woods by my house and I found this little like locket in a little plastic jewelry case or something and I remember being convinced that that belonged to JonBenet Ramsey and that she was like murdered in the woods by my house and I was like a 10 year old so imagination so you remember this like on like the news and stuff at night yeah like I remember like this like super scared the uh, shit out of me You I don't remember. <laughs> I did. I'm like talking to look at the S H I T is what I was going to say. <laughs> Scared the S H I T out of me, but it did. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't remember this being on the news, but I remember, I, I remember seeing her face, but I don't remember hap- what happened to her until much later. And at the same time, this was happening. Isn't it like pretty close to when all that Erica Baker stuff was going on? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, locally, there was a little girl that was missing, little blonde girl, close to the same age, too. And they figured out what happened to her. Yeah, but, it was. But they figured it out semi-recently. So, like, back then, we didn't know what happened either. Somebody hit her with a car and hit her body. Yeah, that was oh, in wow. 1999. Yeah, so, so this all happened, bit. like, pretty close together. Yeah. And she was nine. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to do an episode on her too. That scared me also. Yeah. Ugh. Apparently I was watching too much news for a 10 year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the edition. thing about the news, man. It's freaking scary. It's like, yeah, I don't watch the news because it's all just depressing. Yeah. Yeah. And you find out more than you want to know. <laughs> yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Rough, right. Yep. Living over here being dumb. Dumb as hell. <laughs> all right. But yeah. Why don't you say your sources? Yeah. So give me a minute because it's a lot. Um, So Crime Weekly podcast was a podcast that I listened to a couple days like leading up to this. So I am sure I referenced that multiple times in what I was talking and then also in some of the notes. It was it was good. It was a four parter. uh, Highly recommend. Uh, JonBenet Ramsey, What Really Happened, a documentary on Hulu. Also recently watched and probably snuck some things in from that. Uh, Wikipedia, rollingstones.com, thoughtcatalog.com, grunge.com, crimemuseum.org, dailytelegraph.com, statementanalysis.com, biography.com, and abcnews.go.com. Yeah. List. It was a list. I used a lot of sites for this. It took me some time. 
nowhere like fully gives you all the information. I feel like I you know. can dig around yeah, and you gotta piece it together. together. Yeah. Yeah. And it took me forever to do these notes in a way that I was like, okay, that makes sense. Cause like chronologically, you don't know when they found certain evidence yeah. and things yeah. like that. I'm like, when did this come out? I don't know. I'm just gonna stick it here. Yeah. Um, that but is yeah. The hard part. yeah. It took a hot minute <laughs> for sure. Well, let us know what you guys think about John Bonet Ramsey and who you think killed her. And any evidence that I missed too, because there is definitely stuff that didn't make its oh, way yeah. into this. That there's so there many were, rabbit holes. Other things going on too. So share with us your thoughts. Yes. All right. Well, we appreciate all of you who listen to us uh, talk about terrible things. And we uh, hope you enjoyed this episode 100 woo, woo, on John Bonet Ramsey. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.